Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of ulcerative colitis from the gastrointestinal section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 17-year-old female presents to the emergency department with complaints of subjective fever and crampy abdominal pain for the past week. Today, she had an episode of bloody bowel movement, which has never happened before. A physical examination demonstrates mild conjunctival pallor, but is otherwise unremarkable. ESR, or erythrocyte sedimentation rate, and CRP, or C-reactive protein, are elevated. This is a case of ulcerative colitis. Let's now get into the topic. Let's start with an introduction about ulcerative colitis. In terms of a clinical definition, ulcerative colitis is a chronic autoimmune condition that results in the inflammation and ulceration of the colon and rectum. It is characterized by recurring episodes of inflammation limited to the mucosal layer of the colon. With treatment, the disease course typically consists of intermittent exacerbations alternating with long periods of complete symptomatic remission. This disease commonly involves the rectum and may extend proximally and continuously to involve other parts of the colon. In terms of the epidemiology and demographics, it is more common in North America and Europe compared to other regions. There is a bimodal distribution in patients aged 15 to 30 years and greater than 60 years of age. Risk factors include positive family history of inflammatory bowel disease or IBD, Ashkenazi Jewish descent, and smoking may lower the risk. With respect to the pathogenesis, no direct cause has been identified but is likely due to genetic susceptibility with environmental triggers. Genetic susceptibility include familial aggregation of the disease and identification of multiple genetic loci linked to the disease. With respect to environmental factors, diets low in fiber and high in fat have been linked to the disease. Stress may exacerbate this condition as well. Relative to associated conditions of ulcerative colitis, extra-intestinal manifestations include primary sclerosing cholangitis, musculoskeletal involvement, eye involvement, cutaneous involvement, venous and arterial thromboembolism, and autoimmune hemolytic anemia. Musculoskeletal involvement includes ankylosing spondylitis and sacroiliitis. Eye involvement includes uveitis and episcleritis and cutaneous involvement includes erythema nodosum and pyoderma gangrenosum. Let's now talk about the clinical presentation including symptoms and physical exam findings of ulcerative colitis. Symptoms include diarrhea, most often with blood and mucus, with recurrent episodes, fatigue, tenesmus, joint pain, and abdominal pain. Physical exam findings include fever, rectal bleeding, and pallor. Let's now talk about the diagnostic imaging of ulcerative colitis. Abdominal radiograph is not required for diagnosis, but may be the best initial test for patients presenting with symptoms of colitis. You may see proximal constipation, mucosal thickening or, quote, thumbprinting, secondary to edema, and colonic dilation. A barium enema may be normal in patients with mild disease. Positive findings on barium enema include shortening of the colon, loss of hostra, a, quote, lead pipe appearance, narrowing of the luminal caliber, and pseudopolyps. Computed tomography, or CT, or magnetic resonance imaging, or MRI, may demonstrate marked thickening of the bowel wall. With respect to colonoscopy with biopsy, biopsy is necessary to establish the diagnosis. Endoscopic findings may include touch friability, 
erosions, edema, and granularity of the mucosa. Findings may also include non-neoplastic pseudopolyps and inflammation of the rectum that extends proximally in a continuous and circumferential pattern. Biopsy features may include crypt abscess and inflammatory cells, for example eosinophils within the lamina propria. With respect to other diagnostic studies, you can also perform a stool study to rule out other causes of bloody diarrhea. You would also order a complete blood count, albumin, electrolytes, and other markers of inflammation such as ESR. This is for evaluation of disease severity. Perinuclear antineutrophil cytoplasmic antibody, or PANCA, is also an important study. With respect to a differential diagnosis, the two main differentials on your list should be Crohn's disease and infectious colitis. The differentiating factors for Crohn's disease would be that patients will often present with perianal disease with patchy inflammation on colonoscopy. The differentiating factor for infectious colitis is that patients will present with positive stool and tissue cultures and studies. Let's now talk about the treatment of ulcerative colitis. Management of the disease is dependent on the disease severity and extent of involvement. First-line therapy involves 5-aminosalicylic or 5-ASA drugs, including sulfasalazine or mesalazine, and this would be in the form of an enema as the best initial step. Corticosteroids, including prednisone, would be used for acute attacks, and you would use IV steroids for severe colitis. And iron supplementation would be used to manage anemia secondary to gradual loss of blood. Second-line treatment involves the use of immunosuppressive agents, including azathioprine, and biological agents, including infliximab and adalimumab. These are indicated in patients who cannot achieve remission with 5-ASA and corticosteroids. And finally, third-line therapy involves performing a total colectomy. This is a curative approach. Note that it is indicated in the event of exsanguinating hemorrhage, perforation, suspected carcinoma, severe colitis, toxic megacolon, or disease unresponsive to medical management. Complications of ulcerative colitis include anemia, bleeding and hemorrhage, perforation, toxic megacolon, colorectal cancer, osteoporosis, and strictures. Note that because of the risk of developing colorectal cancer, patients should receive initial screening colonoscopy eight years after pancolitis has occurred. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 22-year-old woman presents to the emergency department with a three-day history of fever and abdominal pain. She says that the pain is located in the left lower quadrant of the abdomen and feels crampy in nature. The pain has been associated with bloody diarrhea and joint tenderness. She has no past medical history, but says that she returned two weeks ago from vacation in Asia where she tried many new foods. Her family history is significant for multiple cancers and close relatives. Physical exam reveals swollen ulcers on her legs, and colonoscopy reveals contiguous ulcerations from the rectum through the descending colon. Which of the following is associated with the most likely cause of this patient's symptoms? 1. Gram-negative rod. 2. HLA-DQ2 positivity. 3. Non-caseating granulomas. 4. Perinuclear antineutrophil cytoplasmic antibodies or 5. Severe aortic stenosis.
And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4, perinuclear antineutrophil cytoplasmic antibodies. This patient with fever, abdominal pain, bloody diarrhea, pyoderma gangrenosum, and contiguous colonic ulcerations starting from the rectum most likely has ulcerative colitis, which is associated with perinuclear antineutrophil cytoplasmic antibodies. Remember, ulcerative colitis is an idiopathic autoinflammatory disease of the colon that starts in the rectum and spreads proximally. Patients with this disease have contiguous ulcerations that involve the mucosa and submucosa starting in the rectum and advancing proximally. It presents with fever, left-sided abdominal pain that is crampy in nature, and bloody diarrhea. It also has extra-intestinal manifestations including joint tenderness, primary sclerosing cholangitis, and pyoderma gangrenosum, which is a skin lesion that turns into non-healing ulcers. Notably, patients with this disease are often positive for perinuclear antineutrophil cytoplasmic antibodies. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, gram-negative rods would be seen in Salmonella or Shigella species infections. However, the structural colonic lesions as well as the skin ulcers are more consistent with ulcerative colitis. Answer choice 2, HLA-DQ2 positivity is associated with celiac disease. However, this disease would present with non-bloody diarrhea and would also not have structural lesions in the colon. Answer choice 3, Non-caseating granulomas are associated with Crohn's disease. However, the lesions in this disease would not be contiguous and would not proceed retrograde from the rectum into the colon. And finally, answer choice 5, severe aortic stenosis can be seen in Hyde syndrome, which would present with gastrointestinal bleeding. However, the structural colonic lesions as well as the skin ulcers are more consistent with ulcerative colitis. In summary, half of all patients with ulcerative colitis test positive for perinuclear antineutrophil cytoplasmic antibodies. Next question. A 26-year-old male presents to the emergency room with weight loss, abdominal pain, and bloody diarrhea. He reports having intermittent bloody stools and crampy left lower quadrant abdominal pain over the past several days. He is otherwise healthy, does not smoke, and takes no medications. His family history is notable for colon cancer in his father. He subsequently undergoes a colonoscopy, which demonstrates a hyperemic friable mucosa with inflammation extending continuously from the rectum proximally through the colon. A biopsy of the rectal mucosa is notable for crypt abscesses and pseudopolyps. This patient's condition is most likely associated with what other condition? 1. Primary biliary cirrhosis. 2 primary sclerosing cholangitis, 3, intestinal strictures, 4, perianal fistulae, or 5, aphthous ulcers. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 2, primary sclerosing cholangitis. The most likely diagnosis in this patient is ulcerative colitis, which is associated with an increased risk of developing primary sclerosing cholangitis, or PSC. Remember, ulcerative colitis is a form of inflammatory bowel disease that is characterized by inflammation extending proximally from the rectum through the colon in a contiguous fashion. Unlike Crohn's disease, another form of IBD, ulcerative colitis does not involve the terminal ileum and does not have areas of normal mucosa, quote, skip lesions. Crypt abscesses and pseudopolyps are common biopsy findings in ulcerative colitis.
Clinically, ulcerative colitis can present with bloody diarrhea, colicky abdominal pain, fever, and occasionally large joint arthritis. Initial treatment for ulcerative colitis is mesalamine. Ulcerative colitis is associated with an increased risk of primary sclerosing cholangitis, a chronic inflammatory cholestatic disease affecting the intrahepatic and extrahepatic bile ducts. This disease leads to insidious onset of biliary obstruction, jaundice, pruritus, weight loss, and fatigue. Importantly, primary sclerosing cholangitis increases the risk of cholangiocarcinoma, a rare but deadly cancer of the gallbladder. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, primary biliary cirrhosis, or PBC, is an inflammatory disease of the intrahepatic bile ducts that classically affects young females with autoimmune disorders. Unlike in primary sclerosing cholangitis, the extrahepatic bile ducts are spared in PBC. Common symptoms include fatigue, pruritus, and jaundice. PBC is not associated with ulcerative colitis. Answer choice 3. Intestinal strictures are areas of focal narrowing of the gastrointestinal tract that lead to obstructive symptoms. Strictures are sometimes seen in Crohn's disease but not ulcerative colitis. Answer choice 4. Perianal fistulae are inflammation-induced connections between the gastrointestinal tract and the perianal skin surface. Fistulae are seen in Crohn's disease but not ulcerative colitis. And finally, answer choice 5, aphthous ulcers are painful oral lesions that are seen in Crohn's disease and to a much less common extent in ulcerative colitis. However, ulcerative colitis is much more commonly associated with primary sclerosing cholangitis. In summary, ulcerative colitis is characterized by continuous inflammatory lesions extending proximally from the rectum. It is associated with an increased risk of primary sclerosing cholangitis, a chronic cholestatic condition causing intrahepatic and extrahepatic biliary obstruction. And that's all for this review about ulcerative colitis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 1 podcast.